Oh yeah, let's get this party started up in here. Whoop, whoop. Hey, this is Mark. You're listening to this show probably on your mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android or even Windows Mobile. <laughs> Who has one of those? Uh, but anyway, you're probably listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or some other wonderful mobile app that brings this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. Yeah. But did you also know that you can find this show, among several others in this category, at the Tangent Bound Network? That's right. Go visit tangentboundnetwork.com. Check it out where you can always get the latest episode of this and other shows quite like it. Although, admittedly, there is no show quite like this one. Hey, this is Brad Geiger from Evil Incorporated, and when I'm not spreading terror into the hearts of good people everywhere, I'm listening to Adrian Has Issues, one of my favorite podcasts. Take it away, Adrian. guys welcome to adrian has issues i'm adrian i'm eileen and we are back a dinosaur story no (laughs) Uh, we are back with part two of our star wars and i guess i can't even say review of of episode seven but we've kind of really been jumping across the entire saga Mm -hmm. as best we can because again you can't talk episode seven without talking one through six right and of course my darling girlfriend is back with me again hello and so if you listen to our first part, we started kind of drawing a lot of parallels, kind of bridging the gap between the wonderful yet completely botched mess of the prequels, <laughs> you know, the Holy Trilogy itself, and then, of course, what this new trilogy will bring us. So where we last left off, we were just talking about the possible family dynamic of Rey. Um, of course, Kylo Ren and his entitled whiny ass, who doesn't even need the mask at this point, because clearly he's, you Yeah, know, the, he was, mist- I, you know why he never should have taken off the mask? I think that it would have been a lot more scary or more intimidating. Like, I think they took off the mask a little too early. But that's they, the thing, they, We didn't build up enough fear of him yet. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. There really, there's that fear of where he could go if he wanted to. But in and of himself, he realizes he doesn't have that hold that he feels that he does have. Because look at it this way. Oh, shit. Before we even start, crap. Spoilers. If for whatever reason you listen to part two before part one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking massive Sorry. spoilers for Force Awakens. But, I mean, we're not doing a play-by-play, but we're obviously going to be touching on a lot. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, if you have not seen this yet. Yeah, you might want to go see your movie and then come back. Yeah. Definitely come back. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Because it's a good show. But yeah. It's a great show. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> but once you get... No, but I meant our show. You know? <laughs> I mean, the, the, obviously the movie was awesome. But, you know, yeah. Go oh, see yeah, the movie. <laughs> come back to our show. Don't just, like, you know, cut out and don't come back. Because, you know, we, it's still... Uh, we're going to fill in a lot of stuff. And it'll and be cool. please hit up Adrian Has Issues on Facebook, Twitter. We're on iTunes. Please leave a rating and review. Again, if Keep you love us, us, hate us, let yes. us know how we're doing. And exactly. let us know what you think. Because what's so fun about this, what we're doing now, is the fact that 
as much as I know and what Eileen knows, there's people out there who know more than us. There's people who maybe even know less than us. But at the same time, you put it all together and you get this great picture of even if we're all wrong or all right, mm-hmm. it's so much fun talking to this with other people and getting their perspective because they see things that I don't and vice versa. Exactly. So going back to Kylo real quick, we did talk a little bit about how maybe there's a possibility that he and Luke, I guess, maybe he just was not trainable and decided to ditch him before... We now break into him getting picked up by Snoke. We're not sure. Which is an interesting perspective. I mean, they don't imply that. They imply that he kind of went bad and Luke ducked out. But it's an interesting I think it would make it more interesting to it for basically Luke kind of dropping him. And him being, but that would be kind of screwed up though. Like this is, you know, like he kind of dropped his nephew and be like, you know, he's gonna go to like his sister and be like, I'm sorry, sis, but I I can't do nothing with this. (laughs) Well, not even that. But imagine a case of Luke clearly now having that pressure on him, Mm -hmm. now being the one to rebuild, right? Because while he may not necessarily be the last of the Jedi, he's still, in a way, never quite continued his training as he was intentionally intended he kind of went the short route whereas the jedi originally used to get trained at temples it was almost like hogwarts or like xavier school where you know you got learned in both the academics as well as he got the boot camp version of it yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> he got the, he got the guy in the woods you know okay let's kind of give you the the cliff notes version of of how to be a jedi and take it from there and obviously he sort of dropped the ball on that because he then decided to at Basically having Yoda and Obi-Wan tell him, no, don't do this. When, of course, he had the vision saw the Han and Leia were in trouble, he, of course, went to go run to save them as opposed to continuing his training formally. Right. And got his ass beat. Right. When, really, in a way, Han and Leia don't need his help because Leia's clearly had no problem doing her thing. Mm-hmm. And with Lando there, you know, they would have probably been okay. And really, they had to go rescue his dumb ass. <laughs> <laughs> But Luke, Luke was that welcome distraction so that everybody else can get away. That's, you know, maybe he, he didn't kick ass, but he at least took the attention away. I think it's interesting. I think it would be a much more interesting story where Luke kind of does that thing that the council did where he realizes as much as this kid has potential, there's too much of it for it to go wrong. Right. And realizes, let's stop this before. But I'm sure, much like everybody else has heard the stories, I'm sure Kylo's probably heard that too, mm-hmm. of how great, let's say, Luke Skywalker was, and of course, Darth Vader, now he was the most powerful Jedi, and mm-hmm. things like that. And it's like, wait, you're not going to... Tra- you know, like, look at how many martial arts movies you get, where it's like, the student, you know, the master, obviously, you know, is too brash, and the master won't train him, so of course he goes off and mm-hmm. gets his own shit, and he tries to come back and take the master out. The master's like, clearly, I taught you... Because much like Obi-Wan, because mm-hmm. how much he tried to train Anakin and then it's like, I'm, you know, this is as far as I could take you, but it's like, I want more. Like, you're not getting more. I'm going to fight you. Dude, I taught you. No less. <laughs> <laughs> so, but. But there's a kind of the student, you know, ends up taking over the master, you know, I guess. But I mean, I don't remember the dynamic of Qui-Gon. I mean, just totally off subject. How did Qui-Gon get taken out again? <laughs> Um, Darth Maul just stabbed him. Oh, okay, yeah. Really so that was much. just kind of yeah. yeah it's whatever. It was quite gone. That would suck. Yeah. Well, more important question, totally off subject, also as well is was that General Akbar that he brought back? I just want to know. No, he's like that saying, "What is it? Something calamari? It's that race of." <laughs> 
and this was this was really cool. wants to call the calamari. <laughs> yeah, something called um I could or is that one of the characters? But no, Admiral Akbar was just that race of, and I forget the names of them. But yeah, basically like that same race that um what's the guy? Because I don't even, did he actually die in the first one or I no? Don't... You never saw. I mean, no, he stayed alive. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that could have still been Akbar. <laughs> it sounded like him. <laughs> well, they all kind of had the same. They all talked alike. I don't know. I like because that they, they brought back the Guido dude again. The BDBD. No, I don't think that was the same guy. I that was that, that one he wasn't. But yeah. What was his name? Nian Num, who was the um, the co-pilot for um, Lando during the Battle of Endor. But right. it was cool. Like they kept a lot of those races in. Right. But I don't think there were because you, you want because you want some familiarity. You want something to kind of tie the old with the new. You can't replace everything because then it feels like a whole different movie, which I think is one of the mistakes they made with the prequels is that there was so much different between those for those three movies and the original three movies that there was a little bit of disconnect between the two universes i feel like there was you know there wasn't as much of that species crossover in the prequels to the original but uh, i wonder and i like that in this one they kind of they really made a point to tie them together but I wonder in the case of the world in the prequels was much different than that of the original trilogy and this, of course, this new one, where there was a time when obviously it's not like in Star Trek where you have a federation of all these, you know, alliances and everybody's working together. For the most part, everybody kind of did their own thing, but then realized, of course, with the Empire being what it was going to be or what was going to happen, obviously they were almost kind of forced to work together, or maybe they didn't necessarily. Because, yeah, it's, it's nice in the Senate. They have all the races and the representatives. But yet, how many times did it look like in those movies where, like, the talks almost had no had no well, meaning? Well, like, most most governments, like, it's like watching Congress in the Senate, nobody ever agrees on anything. Right, until, of course, things go really bad and they had no choice. Right. Which, I don't know, that's, that was kind of my interpretation. Hmm. Well, I wasn't really talking so much to the Senate, but just in general, just of seeing the different races in, around the galaxy. Oh, different. gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, you got to see... You know the calamari people, and you know, and little Guido guy, and you, and you gotta kind of, you got the oh, the one of the sand, the, the I don't remember what they were, what but um, was. you saw one of them in I guess episode four at the cantina, yeah. Who turns out that character was actually a spy for the rebellion, really? Yeah, because hmm. I had a character card for him years ago, and I found out that he was very much a sympathizer for resistance, so he used to hang out there as a way to get um, uh, but you but you never noticed, but they never really used him. Right. I know he has a name, and again, I'm sure the really geeky Star Wars characters whom I love will tell me that, because I used to know a lot of that Little shit. Fans, yeah. mm-hmm. Especially, like, um, my best friend at the time in grade school, like, for 6th, 7th, and 8th grades, we read Star Wars. We used to play the card game and, like, the quotes. We used to know all, like, the... Every character in that cantina has a backstory, and I actually knew a lot of that. Oh, wow. But then, of course, you realize as you get older and some of that stuff you don't remember as much. Yeah. Because you end up being 31 as senile. (laughs) For my case, a little older and not knowing anything about all that. (laughs) No, it was just more of a matter of, at the time, that was when my Star Wars fandom was at its peak. Mm -hmm. And, like, what happens with a lot of my fandom, you need to know, like, every facet of it whether it's important or not yeah i, I tend to stick to the generic stuff that and that's fine you know it's just you know there's no right or wrong with it it's just like there was a time where i was obsessive 
Right. I mean, I think now I'm more into it than I think I ever was. Growing up, I kind of accepted the movies as what they were. That's it. And what was in the movies, that's what I knew. But, you know, knowing that there's so much kind of more to it. And, you know, and it really does fill out the universe when you realize that it's not really as simple as you thought it was. And it was tougher because so much of it was outside of the normal storylines because a lot of it was considered extended universe. And it was very difficult to figure out, okay, what was canon and what isn't. However, now that Disney has acquired Lucas and they had for at least the last three, four years already, mm. everything that they've now made is canon. So, like you said, I think the Clone Wars still count. You know, Rebels. Right. A lot of the most of the comic books are canon, mm-hmm. and which a lot of those I haven't read just yet, so I'm not sure where they fall into the story. So I guess the only thing that was really dismissed were the novels. I guess the novels and um, a lot of there were some other works that were made that. I think even the comic books there, I think Dark Horse had the franchise before Marvel grabbed it back. Uh-huh. And I think those may have been discarded. I'm not entirely sure. I'm hmm. sure someone with a little bit more knowledge. But yeah, there were Star Wars comics, uh, Dark Horse had that franchise for a very long time. Hmm. But I know once Marvel acquired it and now a lot of, I think that stuff got disregarded too. So there was a lot of fallout from that because I think people felt like they should have stayed there. Yeah, I, I guess now, you know, people's uh, Star Wars Bibles are out of date now. <laughs> they got to update that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff that now we have to then rethink and disregard even though it's been bred as to. But it makes sense Well, now unless that... they play it off like Star Trek did like alternate universes. <laughs> right, but I don't think they, I don't even think they went that far or maybe they will, but. It makes sense why they disregarded the extended universe because part of me knew that they were going to take some elements of those stories and make them into the movies because Mm -hmm. why else would you make this grand sweeping gesture of saying, yeah, these novels that have continued these stories don't count if you weren't either planning on using some of it. No, but that doesn't make sense then. If you're planning to use it, then it would make sense to keep them. Well, no, because then it would cause confusion. By basically regarding them as non-canon, you know what I mean? You're confusing the issue a little bit. So now you could do whatever you want, but if you're still stealing elements from the stuff that was canon, wouldn't that confuse things more? Well, I guess if you're one who's read the novels a lot, but whereas me, like, I never considered that stuff to be canon to begin with because, I'm sorry, depending on the author, some of those stories were just so batshit off the wall. Yeah. As popular as some of them were, it just, to me, didn't make sense in some ways. Right. Like, even let's say Shadows of the Empire, which was set between Empire and Jedi, it served to bridge that gap and explain, okay, even in the trilogy, some of the elements of those movies almost don't make sense because it's like there's such a huge gap, and it's like, okay, where did Luke get this new lightsaber from? Why is there all of a sudden now this conflict between Vader? Mm-hmm. You know, and how the hell did they even get to Jabba's house in the first place? Because clearly it looked like they went through a hell of a trial to get there to begin with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of it, you could just leave it to your imagination, but Shadows of the Empire sought to make more sense of what was going on. Right. Like, there was some really cool stuff in that story where you, there, you know, the chapter where Luke actually builds the lightsaber with the green blade. And in a way, it served as a purpose of showing that Luke's skill had increased. Whereas, yes, he did learn a lot after suffering that massive defeat from Vader. Right. Whereas, again, he had to take that accelerated course of being a Jedi. Right. And it's something that, you know, maybe for people who say who saw, like, the Clone Wars, like, the animated series, whatever, and you find out how building your own lightsaber was really an intrinsic part of becoming a Jedi. Because that's something Absolutely. that... You know, when the young Padawans are being taught one of their classes or whatever have you is, hey, how to build your own lightsaber. And that's like a rite of passage. Yeah, it really is. And how each one was very unique to each Padawan, to each Jedi. You know, you think that they're all pretty similar. 
if you really look at them, they are really different, you know, and, you know, and he had to build his own. He had to do that. And it was cool because one of my favorite scenes in Return of the Jedi is when Luke goes to confront his father again, when obviously he surrenders himself to get taken up to the Emperor and everything mm-hmm. else to turn him. When they, they're on like that bridge area and they have that discussion, there's something that's so very telling about why I love the original trilogy so much and especially moments of the end of Empire and even Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's fun to make fun of like teddy bears or killing troopers or whatnot with the logs. And yeah, it's a little goofy, but yeah, there's some really touching moments in that. Yes. Where when I goes, loved Return. I'm sorry. I loved Return of so Jedi. I, I loved the Ewoks. But I, it took me awesome. a while to kind of make peace with that movie because, again, I was an Empire kid. I like my dark storylines. I like when shit goes bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm that. Yeah, but you have to have a happy ending. See, I, I think a lot of times happy endings are kind of pointless. Well, you know. I mean, that's the American mentality. Everything has to happy have the happy ending. You know, you would have done better in Japan, where everything's kind of ending dark and tough shit. Life sucks, and just the way it is. Deal with it. <laughs> but the, that one scene when he takes his son's lightsaber and he leaves it, and he's like, "Oh, you've constructed a new lightsaber." And this is such a sweet moment there, where it's like, I think he's, it, he was he's proud, proud of, of his him. son. He's like, "Hey, you know, my kid's all right." <laughs> like oh you did a cool thing You're like all right you come you you come far yeah maybe yeah but then he kind of twisted it like yeah let me use you now <laughs> as we had said today as we were as you were making brunch or whatever mm-hmm. a lot of what vader's interactions with luke were luke of course he's like i you know i hate my father you know the anger was building towards everything he's done not only to his family but also to the galaxy and having that kind of confrontation because, again, he drew his sword first. But I think Vader... Well, remember, just... too, that he didn't know he was his father. True. Good point. I keep forgetting There that. was the fact that he didn't even know that was his father. And once he found out that was his father, it kind of really messed with his head. <laughs> yeah. But having already made that realization a long time ago, mm-hmm. generally, I think he was just wanting to talk to his kid. And maybe if, if Luke hadn't just up and attacked him, you know, where would that conversation have gone? Mm-hmm. But again, like we said, he legitimately wanted to reconnect with his son. Maybe not in a way that would have been healthy. Yeah, I mean, he still was kind of warped toward, hey, the double dark side thing. But, you know, originally, you remember, he did love Padme and want to have those kids. And he was, you know, and he lost all that. And then he ended up, he threw his life into his work. But then seeing, oh, no, my son still is here and kind of remembering that human side of him. Yeah. You know, where, oh, yeah, I used to be in love and I used to be, you know, I was going to have a family and I have this boy and look at all this potential. And, it's you know, and you have that pride aspect to it. You know, you're still conflicted against you kind of your life work and life's belief, but that's still you have a connection with somebody and that's your your, your child. When um Luke you know, drew a saber at him, and naturally he's got, of course, that too, because it's like, look, you know, you ain't raising your hand to me. Mm. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I mean, I Sit me down, boy, sit me down. Right, it's like, you know, I didn't grow up with you, but I ain't my daddy, and, you know, <laughs> we, we don't do that here. You know, he got that whooping, and then... <laughs> and even after, you know what's so kind of funny about that? Even as they're escaping, Vader was still kind of like, hey, man, look, I mean, look, you... You, you had that coming, but I still love you. Like, come on, man. Like, let's still hang out. Like, you know? <laughs> when he's talking to him and he's in the Falcon. Come back and visit. Yeah. yeah like, aw. <laughs> and I think in that scene when the Falcon, when they finally fix the hyperdrive and they shoot away, mm-hmm. whereas before Vader would have flipped out, probably choked a couple officers and dealt with it, mm-hmm. he seems so dejected. You know, like in that last scene, right, as the Falcon's flying away and he realized yeah. that they're left and he's like, aw. Like, that did not go nearly as well as I had hoped. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think, yeah, it was like all of a sudden it was just like, oh, wait, I still have a heart. I felt something there, you know, yeah. and it's just kind of like, oh, 
and Darth kind of went from just being this imposing monster to now he kind of got a little bit of his humanity back. And I'm wondering in the case of like, let's say Kylo with Synth, it's like, you know, maybe even though he did grow up with both of his parents, but look at it this way. Han Solo is kind of a scoundrel, and he seemed to have no problem slipping back into the life that he once knew once the family splintered with their son. Mm -hmm. And Leia, at the end of the day, while I'm not saying she wouldn't be a great mother, but... She she, was still a strong woman. Right, and she still had to lead this rebellion or the resistance, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're right. Unfortunately, what if he ended up being like that kid that maybe they ignored, and maybe that because he had that potential, you know, they maybe pawned him off on Luke. like, you trained him, but it's like, I'm not his father. Right. You know, I mean, I can see Han Han being kind of like that gruff dad who doesn't know how to really be affectionate and, and, you know. Shoot, the love of his life tells you, you know, I love you. And his response is, I know. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's not exactly the most, like, romantic. Yeah, he doesn't emote well. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd imagine, and I'm sure his mother was nurturing as best she could, but, you know, there's that that relationship between father and son. Both both his parents are very strong individuals, and, and, and I would imagine... And, you know, and it's like maybe he was a mama's boy. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he had that strong mom and he couldn't well, really kind of... he clearly kinda... hated Han. I don't know. Like, I feel like there was a part of him that... I mean, I think he was poisoned against his father in a lot of ways. But I think that... But, you know what I mean? Like, it... I still felt like he still had felt something for him, but well, he kind of... How many times have you butted head with your, with your parents? Well, yeah. I mean, and still... I remember a point, and I don't admit this easily, but there was a point where I thought I hated my dad and I was mad at him and I thought he was mean and didn't understand me and all these things and you know and and we always butted heads and you know my mother was like yes because you're so much alike and you don't know that maybe Kyle had the same kind of thing where maybe the fact that he had a lot of of his father or whatever in him is what caused some of the conflict or you know he always wanted your dad to be proud of you when your dad is kind of eh, you know <laughs> well, look at it this way because you know han solo is clearly this larger than life character and so is a vader he comes from this family where he's these, these people are legend yeah for the things that they've done and not really feeling like you measure up to that right and then now he finds out he has this power and you know he wants to be great like them and then gets kind of manipulated along the way where now it became from i want to live up to their legend so now i want to surpass them and live up to this legend of his dead grandfather yeah you want to feel bad for him in some ways you can't but in a lot of ways it's like damn like yeah like you realize oh you're just a really fucked up little kid you really are like you have a you're you're a kid with too much power it's kind of like that twilight zone episode with the kids that they have the power and they make their parents do everything yeah you know and and it's just kind of that same thing of like oh oh no like it's just i don't know it's kind of sad really you know if he wasn't so scary in certain ways and and so dangerous um you really would kind of like you kind of pity him a little bit a you know, little bit. I a mean, little not bit. so much. I mean, you but still want to, like, spank his ass. But, but the problem <laughs> is, of course, after what he did, you know, in towards the climax of that movie, Yeah. I think I whatever pity I had for him is now gone. Well, yeah, and I knew it was going that way. Oh, yeah, I just knew from the wording. It was like, everybody thinks it's going to go one way, and I'm like, nope. It's gonna go the other way, and 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 it yeah. did. And well, see, uh, I knew it was gonna go bad, but I figured maybe at one point someone would have came and saved him. So it's like, okay, yeah. he might have been mortally wounded, but I mean, 
I didn't expect it to kind of play out that. I had an idea. I was hoping you would stick around a little longer. I had an idea because there were rumblings, and I tried my best not to, you know, to hit spoilers. Right. But there was a lot of rumor because they had to fight a lot to get Harrison Ford, I think, to come back. Oh, so this is probably the best they could get him to commit to. Maybe because as much as we love him, he looks like he could be like that very sort of not. I want to see it. It's hard to say because it's like I don't know him personally, but. Very strong-willed, and it's like if he wasn't necessarily wanted to do it, you know, maybe... Well, there's some actors that kind of, like, once they do a part and they're done with it, you know what I mean? Like, okay, that was a part of my life, and I don't want to revisit it. Or maybe maybe the whole the whole um, failure of Indiana Jones comeback scared him <laughs> from doing a hand Solo comeback. And it's a shame because, that you know, the failings of that movie were not his fault. Yeah. He did the best with what he could. You know, so it was like maybe that was the movie he should have had his big goodbye in. <laughs> but again, yeah, maybe that's just what they can get him for. and Yeah, and they kind of had to work it in. But, I mean, it definitely gave you that big dramatic... But I feel like something Seen that movie, big could have easily been saved, like, let's say, episode eight. Yeah. Like, we barely got time to welcome him back. And it's like Harrison Ford, you know, quickly became Han Solo again. An older version, an even crankier version. Yeah, but he was still that same. And he and Ray, oh, my gosh. It was really like this father-daughter thing. Yeah. And it's like they're finishing each other's sentences. And, like, she's doing stuff. And he's like... Wait, I didn't think to do that, but holy shit, like you're pretty awesome. Or they thought at the same time and then he's kind of impressed, like, huh, like right. you could you should have been my kid, you know? <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean well, granted, I mean she has the you know, I, I always say that she can't be related to him because she has the force and he doesn't. Not necessarily. But wouldn't it be funny if she was like one of his wild seeds somewhere and it turns out that he but she then, is his kid. <laughs> true. Well look at it this way. His ship, which got stolen again. I think got stolen like three different times. Well, considering <laughs> that he stole it the first time from Lando, who probably stole it from somebody else. Yeah, and then now he got this one stolen, that one stolen, the other one stole it, and then she ended up with it and it's like it's so funny. You know, who knows? Maybe there was a time when after the whole Kylo Ren thing, again, we talked about before we started, is that obviously it looked like the marriage had kind of fallen out and he went back to being a smuggler and who knows what the hell he could have been into. I guess that's the thing, too. We got to figure out who's older, Kylo or, or Ray. Well, Kylo, you'd imagine, is roughly around late 20s, if not early 30s by now. You'd figure that, you, come on, they probably conceived them shortly after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, probably. Once credits were rolling, that's when they were doing it. I was like, all right, F these teddy bears. Although in these movies, they look a lot older than that, which would imply that they had him later in life because he doesn't look like he's beyond his 20s to me. But they obviously look like they're in their 60s <laughs> or 70s or what have you. Um, but it's right around the same age as having a son that would very well be... Because they themselves, I mean, they were young, but they weren't that young. Especially yeah. Harrison Ford himself, who was very much older. And it's hard mm -hmm. to say because I know Carrie Fisher, you know, she she had her rough for a while. And, you know. Maybe she just didn't age well. But... Right. So it's but, hard. You know, but hard in this movie, they picture. both looked older and they both kind of like. I mean, for, for so much stuff to happen, there had to be a decent amount of time to pass for this much of the First Order and all this stuff to well, kind yeah, of get it's built been up. Roughly about 30 years because they said it just in that same frame of time after Return of the Jedi. Like, it's not like this was jumped ahead that much further because it's 83 was when Jedi came out. Obviously, we can't compare a timeline to actual timeline. No, of I movies, think it's roughly but... around the same timeline. Really? Yeah. 
Hmm. Is that, like I said, it took roughly 30 years since Return of the Jedi, and it's been about that. Hmm. I think they did it that way intentionally, so that way you don't have to make these weird gaps in them. Why do they look this certain age when it's, right. I think they just jumped them to that particular era. So that right. Way, it makes a lot more sense. Well, in that case, then, then they had Kylo later. They didn't have him right away then, because there's no way that kid is But again, also, 30s. maybe they themselves didn't age well, and I guess, unfortunately, being yeah. fictional characters, you can't make it completely pinpoint right. accurate, but... yeah. Oh, but Felicia, yeah, she was so cute. She was. Oh, she was adorable. And their scenes together, that was a falling moment number two because oh then they kept playing it. And it was so hurtful because it's like, obviously, their relationship was strained because of what happened with their son. Having split apart for so long, they clearly cared for each other. But it's funny, they didn't really look strained. They looked like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, but you could... They looked at each other with such love. But they were and still guarded, though. But you're right. I don't, I don't think they were. I thought they would be more guarded. I thought they would be more antagonistic. But it was kind of more like married old couple. You know what I mean? Like they had a little bit of that. Hey, you know, same jacket. Oh, you know, whatever. But, you know, but they really like you see the way they looked at each other. And they you could yeah, tell uh, they, you know, they loved each other. And they're like, I'm sorry. You know, we had to deal with grief in our own way. But you could tell that that wasn't an easy choice for them to make. Yeah. You know, and I love that hand. And at this point, he actually lets himself be emotional. Like he kind of grew a little bit. Like he was always kind of the cocky guy. Wouldn't let himself really be, you know, show emotion. Well, he's older and mellowed out now. And now that he was older, it was kind of like he would actually kind of, he was still gruff, but at the same time, he did wear his heart on his sleeve a little more. And that's so sweet. And that's why I love those scenes with him and Ray because you got to see like that, that father type, you know, and that's the thing, like the relationship he probably never had with Kylo, he had with Ray, even though their interactions were brief at that point, right? they probably clicked in a way that he and Kylo never did. Kylo was more like his uncle than his father. Yeah. Whereas Ray was more like Han was, you know, and, and they got to connect on that fighting spirit level, that mechanical level, the pilot level. Whereas maybe Kylo was just kind of, you know, he was like his uncle, whiny and with powers. <laughs> but yeah, those scenes with, oh my God, they were so... And it was cute that after all that time, of course, C-3PO continuing to ruin moments. Oh God, damn C-3. Why couldn't they just, you know, kill him off? No. <laughs> you need that. No, you don't. We don't need him. <laughs> and it was so cute how like, you know, even he was waiting for R2 to come back and when and he finally... he's like, I missed you. And I love the fact that they... They're like that old married couple. <laughs> They really did, and I love the reconnections you got because it's like Han and Chewie are still what they are, and the brief moment between 3PO and R2, and it's like, in a way, maybe they were kind of like the voice of the characters, like, you're seeing them again, and you're starting to think about everything that, you know, they went through, and mm -hmm. I think by episode three, they get their minds white, which is why they then are almost kind of like, they don't tell anybody the story about what happened before that. No, but I think C-3PO guys mind wipe, R2-D2 never did. Really? I thought it was both of no. them. No. R2-D2 is the only one that knew everything. Oh, yeah. But he was a smart little robot and knew who to tell what. You know, um, 3PO guy's mind wipe. And freaking BB-8. That, that freaking Oh, droid. my God. So cute. And the thing is, it was adorable even for the trailers. But I remember, you know, of course, we saw Jar Jar. There was a brief moment where he kind of thought, you know, this thing is going to be kind of cute. But, but then, that's like that, like that meme with Jar Jar. I was like, oh, it's all cute before they see yeah. the movies. <laughs> but yet... <laughs> He was even better than what I thought he would be. Yeah, he really was. Because he wasn't played up like they weren't trying to replace R2. It was more like he ended up being kind of like 
R2's little grandson or nephew or whatever, like, he kind of ended up being, like, the younger R2. Yeah, and that's, like, this movie really did serve as a way of, like, okay, we're setting up this new trilogy. And but we, they branched the old to the new really well. But they well. did it in a way, yeah, they did it in a way where it wasn't, like, they spent so much time... And there were Easter eggs, and there are moments that are reminiscent of the other mm-hmm. movies, but not in a way where it was like patting us off on the back too hard. No, it was kind of like we we're passing on the baton, and and the old was kind of approving of the of the new. We come this far, now it's your turn, and we give you that stamp of approval. I think about my friend Brian, um, who said that last night, where it's like you know a lot of the kids who are watching this trilogy, much like our parents pass it on to us, mm-hmm. you know, people my age or age are now watching this new movie with their kids and like oh my gosh my eyes Aww, <laughs> i'm doing it again because it's like now kids my age or those like now they're having children of their own and they're passing on and now they can watch these movies with their kids and you know school them on the other ones like as they're coming up and it's cool to see that like almost an entire generation has passed and it's really sweet and it's like damn it oh honey <laughs> star wars movies oh you got dust in your eyes again. Yeah. It's, <laughs> someone threw a smoke bomb in here. Sorry, that damn Kylo Ren. Sorry, I didn't mean to mace you in the middle of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bitch. Uh, Foreplay, honey. Foreplay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, but there's so oh. many moments. That, like, and I know I'm not And it's funny. It's like it ended up in the in a way just being this a really family movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because you can't help but draw parallels to my family and things like that. And, you know, it's like, I came out of the movie kind of wanted to hug everybody. I know. It was a powerful movie. It was moving. It was, but in a way, it was so sweet. It was very nostalgic, but not in the, okay, we're redoing it again. It didn't feel like, okay, necessarily redoing it again. But it, gosh, it was kind of like a family reunion. It really was. You know, but not like that awkward reunion where you don't want to see these people ever again. (laughs) It was kind of like gosh like we missed you we got to see you again and 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 now look at you know it's kind of like when old people and babies get together and it's kind (laughs) of like the old kind of bringing in the new and and welcoming it and continuing the saga is continuing the line and it was really it was oh my gosh such a beautiful movie it really was and i like the subtlety of it yeah and this goes back to why and again i'm such a fanboy so i just i'm just gonna preface by saying that why i love jj abrams and what he does is because yes i mean lucas himself having started this all you can't not recognize his vision in a way Mm -hmm. but unfortunately whether it had been maybe personal conflict or whatever it was seemed to manifest itself very you know he kind of lost his way a little, little bit. bit. And, you know, I can't blame him because at least in a way, if I had, let's say if I wrote a story and it became this huge thing, how would I take that? You and know, how do you top that? And how do you, right? how do how do you take something that was kind of your, your baby and make it and continue it? But the problem was, I think what happened is that inner conflict in a way represented, let's say someone like Kylo Ren, where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you have this potential. You have this, this greatness in you. And you probably did several great things. But then it's like as you go on and you unfortunately it's like you kind of branch out do your own thing because the one issue that I think I had with the prequels is there's a lot of good ideas in there. There's a lot of greatness in those movies. And I'm going to flat out say that. Yeah. But what happens is sometimes and as I'm finding out even now being 31 years old is you can't do everything yourself. And you can't do everything at once. Right. And you know, sometimes you can't keep everything in 
you know, it's kind of like I learned in, in my English class when you're writing something and it was about editing and editing and editing. And sometimes you, you got to kill your baby. Sometimes you got to cut out that one line that you really love. But to make everything work, you got to cut it out. Right. And I think Lucas got so wrapped up in the technology or his ideas that he had in his head that it overwhelmed the story. Yeah. You and know, if you're not having somebody who's constantly keeping you in check and that's yeah. why you know i love spending time with you and of course my best friend and because or basically everybody who's not me <laughs> to basically uh-huh. keep you in check and say hey you know you've got a lot of great ideas but there is such a thing as you know we've seen it happen with let's say m night Shyamalan, right very skilled in what he does but without someone basically on the outside saying hey hold on how about we rethink this a little bit and retool it you know sometimes if let to our own devices things can kind of go awry mm. And what was cool is when J.J. Abrams was chosen to direct this, I feel like he could have easily just been like, you know what, I'm just going to make this movie and make it. Because obviously he what, is a fan. You but know, yeah. Yeah, he is a fan. And what, but what I love about him is that there's people who are fans, but they still try so hard to make it their own thing. And whereas J.J. Abrams really respected the franchise. Yeah. He respected, not just the franchise, but he respected the fans. And that's something where... I, you know, and you got to give Disney credit, too, because they, you know, them and J.J. Abrams both, they kept to the soul of what it was, you know, and that's why it worked. Right. And then you get someone like, let's say, Lawrence Kasdan, who co-wrote Empire Strikes Back. If anyone knows about the heart and soul of Star Wars, it's, you know, the co-writer of Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. because arguably that movie, I think, holds most of it together. Yeah, and that movie is voted by most people. I think even uh, one of your fellow podcasts, uh, Amish Baby Machine, they just did an online poll, whatever. And I think it was like between the three movies, Empire Strikes Back was like 50, 60 something percent of um, the Twitter fans. Which, that was the best movie. Yeah. You Shout know, out and, to Dags, by the way. Yeah. You Listen know. to his show. He's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sorry. My, my lip got stuck. I can't. Okay. <laughs> But, I mean, that was a very strong movie, very strong story. And J.J. Abrams and I don't, the guy from Empire did he write this? Did he co-write on this? I think too? he co-wrote this one. Yeah, so, I but mean. But he had a lot of personnel from the original trilogy working yeah, on this movie. And, that, and Kathleen I think, Kennedy, of course, producing again. I think that's what kept, kept the original spirit. And you, you know? have to because it's like these are the people who helped bring this to life. You can't not do this without them. Yeah, it's kind of like where the sequels to the Jaws movies went wrong. Once you ch- or, or you know, once you changed everybody that was involved, it became a whole different thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like the Godzilla movies or whatever. You know, once you took out the original people, then you, you know it, it became a whole different thing. And the thing about these franchises is you have to keep the original soul. What I also loved is the fact that they did not pander. They, yeah, they didn't pander. They didn't just redo the same old thing. They revisited it in a way that was very respectful, that was very nostalgic. It was very much, um, you know, they honored it and they gave a very firm nod to it. But it was still its own movie. It still was its own thing. It wasn't set all in the same places. It was very new, but there was enough of the old for it to still be feel familiar for it to still feel connected absolutely and you had to have that this movie really was is he keeps saying was but is equal in value and awesomeness as the original trilogy it really could have it's like it could have been made back in the 80s as far as the spirit of the movies it's, yeah. it's, it's the same. And that's kind of it, though. Like, this could have taken place two, three years after. 
And you know, there was nothing wrong with this movie. I mean, you know, obviously there's the one heartbreaking moment, but it worked with the story. But yeah. there was nothing wrong with with the story. It wasn't like when we were doing we were talking about Spectre, where it was a beautiful movie, it was a perfect movie, but this one major part really sucked about it. You know. But even then, it wasn't enough to kill. The... Yeah, it wasn't enough to kill it. But and this movie was was perfect. It really. I will was. say though, I'm sure once I see it again, and I probably will. I, I mean, hoping... I, you know, you keep rewatching things, you're gonna find something wrong with it if you're looking for it. But I mean, I kind of like to take things for what they are. And it's a great, it's just an awesome movie. And I can't wait for my kids to see it. I will say this, though. Well, I definitely agree with that. But one thing I do like, but at the same time is very difficult, is that while I like the fact that it just kind of dropped you into this world. Mm -hmm. And yes, they did try to set you up as best as possible. Certain things, I feel like there might have been a lot more questions than answers. And I get it because it's only the first entry. Right. But again, I'm sure they'll use other mediums and other stories to like bridge those gaps. Yeah. Like I think it left a lot of questions, but questions aren't always bad. Like they think this is what's going to keep you looking forward to the next ones because if they kind of let ev left everything neat, it could end here or it could not. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, watching those TV shows where each episode is kind of its own thing as opposed to the ones that are kind of soap opera -ish. Well, some elaboration can help. Like, again, spoilers. The scene where Ray goes down into the basement of the one building and, of course, she finds Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and she has a vision that was damn near similar to the one that Luke had. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, I get it. Like, she's very strong with the Force. But no, nowhere in this saga at all has that ever... Okay, maybe, like, Anakin used to have... Like, he had that one dream a couple of times with his wife dying in childbirth. But something on that level is pretty massive. And something like that, I'm like, okay, you can elaborate on this a little bit. But they kind of did tie... They still... They kind of tied that up later. Like, you know, like, you kind of were like, what the hell? How is she all of a sudden having this huge vision and having it so clear? But... It little by little they you know as the story goes along you kind of you realize okay she has this force she has the power within her she is capable of all these things, and you you know they kind of giving it to you in kind of dribs and drabs, but they are kind of you know starts off with this whoa what the hell was that and then they're kind of like oh all right I mean it was a massive vision I think it could have been a little I think maybe if they played it down just a little bit yeah I mean seeing the past made sense. Her seeing some of the future, if it was just a little bit of flash of it, yeah, but to see so much of it was kind of like, okay, why is she seeing kind of that much of it? Yeah, like, unless she's clairvoyant or some shit, some of it was a little hokey. I don't know. Or felt like that was kind of a quick way to speed things up as opposed maybe, to... I mean, maybe it was. Maybe it was. But I don't think it took away that much from everything. I don't think it was that major... And uh... one thing I will say, um, again, not necessarily a slam, but if I had to pick anything else that I kind of thought was um, a little unfortunate is... I get it. You have to set up Ray and you have to set up Finn. But I feel like Poe deserved a little bit more screen time to develop him a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know that he's not going to be kind of developed in the later movies as far as, like, maybe we'll get more of his backstory, you know? Because clearly he was more, like, I know that at the end of the day, BB-8 being that R2-type character where it's like, he had his member of the Resistance sending a robot along to get the big, important MacGuffin-type. Well, in the beginning, you think Poe's going to be this major part, and then he is, but then he kind of disappears for a while. But I hope they don't and... make Poe Dameron basically the next Wedge and Tilly's, where it's like he was meant to have this big storyline, which they constantly cut down to the point where he's an afterthought in the series. Well, I well they did bring him back, and they did have you know him reconnect with Finn and you know my brother and all this stuff, and he's the one that gave Finn his name. But 
I don't know. I don't think that he's going to be because he's the best pilot in the resistance. He can, they can't just kind of dismiss him. He's the one that got that. I hope so. But I mean, who's to say? We we don't know. This is only the first installment. We'll see by the next one how um how well they keep everything kind of tied together. Hopefully they don't lose their way. Well, I know he's obviously it's under his production company and I think he's executive producing. But J.J. Abrams himself isn't physically directing the next movie. That's kind of scary. My pronunciation may be off. But Rian Johnson is the director that, of episode eight. Is that a male or female? Let's see. He's done. Oh, never mind. I'm sold. Okay. What do you do? Looper and Brick, which are two really fantastic sci-fi movies. Well, no. I'm sorry. Looper's the sci-fi movie. Brick was more of a... Brick was interesting. Brick was essentially a crime noir story set in high school interesting like and it uses like a lot of like the language and sort of like those old like comfy bogart kind of kind of noir right but it's set in like a modern setting and it's really good like i watched it on a whim because it was on cable one day and i'm like what the hell is this and it's probably one of joseph gordon levitt's like best performances because that was the movie i saw him and it's like wow this motherfucker can act <laughs> and you know bruce willis decide looper is a really underrated movie because mm. it does kind of play some fun things with time travel and such i mean it's not necessarily as strong a body as let's say jj abrams. abrams because i mean shit the guy that brought back two kind of failing massive franchises is amazingly impressive so it'll be interesting to see as far as the movies, like if they can continue the vibe and continue the spirit of. Right. But again, I'm sure since they're all working so close together and the fact that these movies don't have the same sort of gap that the original trilogy had, like maybe it might be a little overkill, but I know it, we're getting this movie in about two years. In those off years, we're getting like, I think, anthology movies. Mm. Like the one coming up next, I think next year is Rogue One, which is about, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's about, I guess, resist, um, the Rebellion soldiers and like the stealing the plans for the Death Star. So it's going to be a movie movie or like an animated movie? No, it's a movie. Like it's live action, but oh. they're basically telling stories in the Star Wars universe that, of course, are tied in our canon, but it's not necessarily an exact continuation. Okay, so it's not one of the episodes. It's kind of a... Yeah, I think they're called like Star Wars Anthology, as they're calling right. it. Right. And I think they're still trying to do a story about a younger Han Solo. And I think Obi-Wan was the other character, but I could be wrong on those. That's for like prequels for them? Kind of, yeah. Hmm. But we will probably be getting episode nine, I think, what, 2017? Did they ever address, speaking of kind of prequel things, did they ever address who Anakin's father was? Supposedly he has done. It's like total immaculate conception. Well, That's what was one of those eye-rolling moments of episode one is that as far as they just ignored the fact that whether or not he had a father well no i think she just said one day she just up and was pregnant like as far as i understand he never had one how does he not have a father that doesn't make freaking sense it doesn't make sense because it's episode one no one pays attention to that movie did they really make it like he was a yeah. conception yeah you don't remember that no i want to rewatch that movie now yeah he's like yeah he just kind of didn't have one Oh. That was half the reason why that movie was such a eye-rolling clusterfuck. I never heard that. That it yeah. was like a, I don't know, it's easier to believe that his mother had some spooky-nooky on the side somewhere. <laughs> but no, and the only man that she actually had on was um, Lars. Yeah, but I mean, as far as in relation to Anakin's mother, was that like her brother or something? No, she, no, babe. They had I'm confused. No, but his mother got killed in the... Yes, but they still had, remember Baru and Owen? Like, they were young at that point, though. Yeah. But later on, obviously, because they got freed, remember? Oh. 
But she had to stay a slave to pay out whatever right. debt or something. Okay. But then eventually she ends up meeting Lars. That was basically the only family he had left because that's where Luke went because that was essentially. No, I know where Luke went, but I didn't know that she well, she was with Lars and then wasn't with him anymore. No, she was with him by the time. But then she remember she got kidnapped by the, the Tuscan Raiders. Oh, okay. So according to this, neither Darth Plagueis nor Darth Sidious or Anakin Skywalker's father, the midichlorians really conceived him without any outside direct intervention. Shmi, who is his mother, specifically states there is no father, which I do remember that scene, which is, I think, when I went to go see that in theaters, was the part where I think that was the first time that movie lost me. I would have taken that as she's just kind of dismissing, you know what but I mean? But the thing is, it was literally just the fact that this child was so fucking special that he was just, cons- like, he wasn't, like, he, he was- He just bit- appeared out of thin air. <laughs> yeah, like, I think the religious side of things kind of manifests itself a little too much. Mm-hmm. That really was the one point in episode one, especially the whole midichlorian thing to begin with, because you're, this does lead to that whole thing, you're led to believe that this forest is a, you know, spiritual entity, and it just... Well, it's kind of in us, around us, whatever, they're these little things that are just everywhere and part of everything. But they weren't... I mean, is that the word for carbon? I mean... It's but it's, yeah, but it's like, it's supposed to be more symbolic than that, but yeah. then I guess Lucas didn't turn around, it's like, no, there's these little fucking midichlorians, like, there's, there's these actual physical cells that make up everything well i guess because you can't just make it magic so there has to be some kind of scientific basis but that's again going back to the terrible part of the prequels which could be like another eight episodes is why they didn't make sense because he was cutting under his own trilogy for three movies you let's believe that this is basically this magic force and that's why han solo's character was symbolic because he's this guy who it's like yeah this is bullshit there's no force guiding my life and why it's so poignant in episode seven that he now after all this time he turns around it's like it's true all of it Mm-hmm. Like he really does now truly believe in the forest and what it does and what it can do and what it had already right. done. And that's what made it simple. So then to have a movie where it's like, oh, no, that's just some. No, but we said the force is something, you know, like Obi-Wan in the original trilogy was like it's in us, it's around us, surrounds us. Right. But again, and, that's know. more it was more symbolic. It's not necessarily. I never took it as symbolic, though. It's the force. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I guess I like could now people will say like the Holy Spirit, you know, like it's something that's there. You know. Yeah, but depending on who you talk to, and again, not to go too off topic, yeah, but yeah. some people believe the Holy Spirit can pop up like Obi-Wan and tell you to go to Dagobah. <laughs> There's some people who literally refer to it as if this thing that literally pops up and talks to you. Yeah, like, There's a, some people who like just, as an entity, whereas others is a force of right. nature, like air. But it was just odd, you know, again, not trying to go too far right. off, but yeah. It didn't make much sense because it's like he's almost contradicting his own storyline. Right. And which is why, and I know it's a stupid thing, but I think J.J. Abrams won people over when they went to go write this movie. And mm-hmm. They made a point of making sure that they did, you know, if anything got disregarded, it was the midichlorian thing. Because it didn't exist before that, why would it necessarily exist after? I mean, the midichlorian thing, it kind of made sense to me, but I mean... You just kind of understood it for what it was. It's not like we needed that much clarification on it. I guess. I mean, in a world where people are literally pulling items just for their own fucking mind, you know, it's like, all Yeah, right. but then you also have people who are atheists and only believe in anything scientific. They can see, feel, touch, taste, study, you know. So then the midichlorian things kind of hits those people who are more scientific-based instead of just faith-based. At the same time, but considering that Star Wars in itself, in a way, is very faith-based, at least to a small degree, like, you have to really believe that those movies are very much tied into certain spiritual beliefs. But again, mm-hmm. I guess that's more of Lucas because really, at the end of the day... A lot of the things that we interpret or even in the stories we tell are very much a part of, I guess, our own belief systems or lack mm-hmm. thereof. Right. I mean, shoot, much like, I know people don't like to think about it, though, but even think, like I say, as Coheed fans, mm-hmm. 
a lot of the stories in the Amory Wars are very much heavily influenced by the Bible. Hmm. And it's like you can see elements there in terms of, but it's just like those things, like much like belief systems, mm -hmm. they're so ingrained in us, they can't help but then spill into these other things. Right. And maybe, again, that speaks more to, of course, that constant conflict with Lucas where over time maybe he did become more scientifically based and then tried to then explain it. But yet, from a storytelling standpoint... Well, yeah, because, you know, being spiritual kind of fell out, is falling out of fashion. To be religious is kind of falling out of fashion and to be more kind of like hey what we can see that's real right but for the sake of storytelling it's like okay you're kind of exhausting an issue that really didn't need much elaboration yeah. and thankfully what i do love about episode seven is that they boiled everything down the brass tacks back to where it was that it's just this force and some people have it and, and some people, people just don't, don't. they're like that's like harry potter you know some people are wizards some are muggles <laughs> but i'm sure as we see this movie again we'll probably come up with more things that we missed i mean at the end of the day i mean obviously nothing is perfect perfect you know because we're not perfect people aren't perfect but there's always something that kind of falls through the crack we're gonna see somebody wearing a timex you know, <laughs> you know? It's gonna be like, yeah. but all in all as a whole i think that it did justice and then some yes. to the original, and um, I, I couldn't I, I couldn't expect better than what it was. Like I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. I hoped, I prayed, but this was amazing. And I only hope that even without J.J. Abrams being directly involved, that the next two are just as awesome. You know, yeah. and especially that you know the last one that it ties it up really well, and it's not a case of like you know Lord of the Rings, where it's like the first one was really powerful. By the time you got to the end, it was just kind of. Eh. Oh no, I beg to differ. Really? I really do beg to differ that the third movie is probably the most powerful. But much like the Lord of the Rings, oh we're gonna get, oh we're gonna get. <laughs> much like with the books, yeah. You can't get to the end without having all that set up to begin with. Well, no, I know that. But I mean, as far as like, I don't know, I always just felt like the first one was more impactful. But I guess it also depends on how you approach it. I guess that's true. In that first story, or like, yeah, at least in Fellowship, you know, a lot of that time is spent, you know, in a shire. You see everything that's green and wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you see like their life as is, you know, these simple folk who just, you know, smoke mm -hmm. pipe weed all day and eat and farm or whatever and then at the end everything's kind of raised to the ground <laughs> right and then they see what the world really is and have these people be thrust into the situation that's so far beyond our you know realm of belief and scope and by the time they get to mordor mm -hmm. what that means for them because they've gone from what's essentially this nice little paradise to what's almost hell itself right but a lot of that of course is also tied into tolkien's experience being you know world war one right and you know being you know from like this english countryside to now being in trenches and right you start seeing these poor hobbits where it's like for once they were just eating like food and vegetation just everything's so plentiful where the very water they're drinking is killing them mm -hmm. and like they can't breathe the air they can't move right like they can't go any further and like that last movie it's just you see basically how even in the so-called pleasant ending you got there was no going back for them yeah it was kind of a bittersweet ending it was and that's what i loved about lord of the rings is that Yes, there are some nice moments, of course. Obviously, Aragorn taking over the throne, and you know he does eventually marry Arwen, and Rohan is kind of restored thanks to, mm -hmm. um, thanks to, um, of course, Dayton and his right. uh, Unfortunately, Frodo's still fucked up. Right. And then he, <laughs> of course, he went to the Undying Lands with the elves because, as he said, like 
how do you go home from all that? It'll never be the same. So he leaves, and then also Sam, of course, what they don't tell you in the movies is that he also leaves. Oh, I thought he had a he had a family and well, a baby no, and all that stuff. He went back and raised his family, but you know, being a ring bearer himself, over time, it's like he tried his best to have the home life, but yet he then goes to where Frodo does. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh, interesting. And it's funny because everybody complains, that movie ended 18 times. Yeah, read the book, and trust me, it ends about double that. <laughs> they boil down to the basics, but yet it shows you a timeline of what happens afterwards. Oh, wow. And it's just like, yeah, oh my gosh, that last... Oh, you talking about... I don't think in the battle over... And we're totally off subject now. <laughs> no, in the battle of Return of the King versus Episode 7, the number of times that movie just... Oh my gosh, I was a mess when I saw that in theaters. Because every <laughs> scene in that movie was just like, ugh. That whole, that movie was just heartbreaking from beginning. It was, but that's why it's so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh gosh. So getting getting back to it. Well, this point being still, I hope that the, whatever the last episode, however they end this, that it really goes out with a bang. It will in its own right, I think. And I guess you know, for the de factors, you know, hopefully it doesn't end with teddy bears. I guess. <laughs> 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 Although I like the teddy bears, damn it. <laughs> that's the thing, though, because at the end of the day, as much as the characters can have their own personal victories, mm-hmm. the one thing that we know now is that this struggle between, let's say, you know, Jedi and Sith, which even though we argue, is it really a matter of battle of good versus evil more than it is just like that balance in a world that the needs balance to be of power, there. Mm-hmm. but that balance will probably never exist. So yes, even though by episode nine, they'll probably defeat Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. let's say Ray or whoever Snoke else will be whatever, like, you yeah. know, the rebuild the Jedi themselves or whatever. It's an ongoing battle because it's bigger than them. Well, it basically is a universal thing is life. Life is cycles and things are always kind of cycle back and forth between the different sides and, and you know, balance of power will always, will always struggle and that's that's just life so really this story could go on forever if someone wanted to undertake that just like life does you know because things are always repeated on some level in some way you know and we know that even from personal history you know and even let's say like united states history you know we're always battling somebody whether you know when i was growing up everything was nicaragua you know it was (laughs) cuba and then now it's you know then it's iraq and iran and now you have factions instead of actual countries. And that's actually you something know, I was about to bring up. Good which point. is kind of like the First Order, where now instead of fighting an actual country, we're fighting like an organization that we don't know where they are. Right, because you're again, you're fighting an idea, and that's what the First Order yeah. is to me. We talk about, let's say, Revolutionary War, or maybe even... You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy it's to like, blame a particular guys. person, a particular country, but really it's an idea. Yeah. And, you know, it is kind of like, you know, trying to control the Internet. You can't because all it is is idea. All it is is it's expansive and the reach is so, so far. There's just like trying to contain the universe. You can't contain it. Nature will always survive. Ideas will always survive. You know, as long as people have free will and free thinking, there's always a way. Which is cool and terrifying. Right, but at the same time, I think that, to me, that I, that general idea is what makes Episode 7 such a powerful movie. Yeah, I, I balled when I saw the Millennium Falcon again, and, you know, you're seeing the TIE Fighter shit that you remember. But that idea of it's more about what these things represent to people and how now, much like in our life, mm-hmm. these things that are legendary and larger than life and how they're manifested in, like, in some amazing ways and some terrible ways. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the characters, in a way, are now avatars for almost our own thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's so, I mean, you know, maybe, yes, we we analyzing the crap out of these movies, you know, and making it parallels with life and 
and all that and metaphors and whatnot. You know, our kids are just going to see it as, hey, it's a cool fighting movie and good and bad and princesses and the whole nine. But, you know, we know that as as they, they get older and every time they watch it, they're going to take something new from it. And that's something that we did watching Star Wars growing up, where at first, yes, it was just, you know, sword fights and and little teddy bears and whatnot. And then as we got older, we realized kind of the parallels between this, that universe and our own. And our kids are going to do the same thing, you know. And that's and, also what's amazing. And that's the thing that's so cool, and I can't wait. And now I'm tearing up, finally. <laughs> you were crying since yesterday, and I'm finally crying now. I'm sorry, I'm Linnea Falcon. I like... can't wait till my son kind of sees this. And I don't know if he'll appreciate it as much as I do, but I, I would love to watch his face while he's seeing it. I would love to see him be excited about it, and I hope he's not disenfranchised. Or, or you know, the kids nowadays don't appreciate things like we do, but... It just if he can, if this could be his original Star Wars movie, like it was for us, mm-hmm. that's freaking awesome. And yeah. then, and I can say, okay, I was a good mom. I gave you your, <laughs> I gave you your Star Wars. <laughs> you know, and, and I can't wait. And obviously, we're gonna have to own this movie in every possible incarnation. I can't wait for the next one, and I can't wait for all the bonus features when that DVD comes out. Definitely. You know, or in your case, Blu-ray. You know tech snob <laughs> look i mean you might as well I... hey well if you want to buy me blue fair fine, no, that's fine. <laughs> somebody want to donate like i said you know the cool luke's lines like you know i'm a snob like my father before me <laughs> <laughs> there you go so you know it's I like mean. you know of course now it, it's funny like we're still duking it out like of course my father tries to and he's still taking me to school you know what i mean like <laughs> he's very much vader who's literally blocking all my lightsaber strikes with like one hand while like on his yeah. phone doing something else like, yeah, exactly so, uh, exactly yeah, I had both of my hands though. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's fortunate. I mean, maybe out of knee, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, you we know what? Thank you and... so much for oh, everything, thank and thank you, babe, for probably our best. I don't know if it, well, we've only had two, but I mean, I couldn't think of a better anniversary. And all I can hope is that each one is just as awesome. Ah, you dope. Yeah, I call me dope. Yeah, you, eh, you love me. And <laughs> <laughs> eh, that I do. Oh, I love you too. Ah, you're not making these eyes at me. <laughs> and we love our fans. And I say our now because now I've made myself a part of Adrian's thing. So, you know, I'm in here. I'm staking here. Too bad you can't kick me out. But, um, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> I love you. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm proud of, so proud of you and, and the show. And I'm proud of what we're doing here. And, and you know what? Our fans are awesome. Well, we thank you for listening. And please reach out and spread the word to everybody else you know. Because um, there's a million podcasts out there. But, you know, maybe we got a little different perspective on, on things. And we hope you enjoy this two-part special. And I also apologize <laughs> for dipping into Lord of the Rings because I know. Um, if somebody cut ahead in that episode, they're going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> too far. Because it's like, I feel like if you're talking Star Wars, it's like, okay, Star Trek, I know there's that bit of a rivalry, but maybe it's mellowed out. But of course, Lord of the Rings being the other, like, very important trilogy to some, it's like, hold on. <laughs> well, even that, is like, like I said before, it's like as much as people do Star Wars versus Star Trek, and yet they still have a lot of parallels in common. And maybe that's unpopular. Like, don't tell them that they're going to kill us. That's unpopular opinion. Like, but. But, you know, as much as everything's different, everything's the same. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right, guys. So we're going to go enjoy ourselves and I'll probably use the bathroom because I drank way too much during this episode. And now I can give you your gift. Awesome. Well, no, I see now if we end it, that just sounds weird. Like, <laughs> like, oh, I have to give you your no, gift. No, no, no. I mean, it's an actual gift. Just don't, don't, be, don't be dirty. <laughs> like, how do you listen to the show? <laughs> 
I got an actual thing in a bag with a card for you. How's that? Excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. That'll do it for Atron Has Issues, and we'll see you next issue. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm His Issues. Wait, what? Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm... Wait, wait, that's not right. Hey guys, I'm Adrian. And I'm Eileen. Tune in to the Adrian Has Issues podcast. Each week we chat with some great people. Including me from time to time. Comic book creators, comedians. Musicians and actors. Tax collectors, Zamboni drivers. Point is, basically anyone willing to sit down for a geeky discussion or two on all things pop culture. Visit AdrianHasIssues.com where you can download and stream every episode. Especially the ones featuring yours truly. Visit Adrian Has Issues on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a rating and review and tell me how amazing I am. Us. I mean us. Ah, oh, McKenna, you're way cooler than I am anyway. Aw, oh, thanks, babe. Oh, and Adrian Has Issues is also a proud member of the Tangent Bound Podcast Network. Awesome. Nice save, Brodor. <sighs> Visit AdrianHasIssues.com.